Do you ever feel like you're drowning or struggling or juggling your to-do list? Perhaps you're overwhelmed and our guest today can help. Her name is Lynn Kazaley and she's just written a book, Arg, Too Much Information, Not Enough Brain. In her book and in this podcast today, we're going to talk about ways to deal with overwhelm in a way that gets stuff done and keeps your sanity. I think you're going to enjoy it. Here's Lynn Kazaley. All right, Lynn Kazaley, is it good being you? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a hard-hitting opening question. <laughs> it's my favourite. No one ever, whatever, ever gets it. Whatever choice is there, there, I have to be me. I have to be me, and if I'm not liking being me, then I've got full power to change that. So You have got full yeah, power to change that. It's pretty, it's pretty good being me. And, well, that's actually the tagline of my book, funnily enough, it's good being <laughs> me. So, um. But you've just released this. Yes. Tell me all about ARG. How do yes. I say ARG for a start? Well, it depends how distressed you are. So if it's uh, if it's a small thing that's frustrating you, you just go, Argh! but if it's a really <laughs> big thing, then elongate the R and go. Argh! Right. Okay. I think I've done both of those. <laughs> But congratulations, it's an amazing book and you pretty much had me from the first line of too much information, not enough brain. (laughs) I felt like it could almost have been, um, it just sounded like me, I have too much information and not enough brain. But yeah. So tell me what what inspired you to to go down the overwhelm path and and to help people with that? Yes, I think it's a coming together of a number of pieces of my experience and and my expertise. So I've I think I've experienced overwhelm most of my life. I have a real emotional, you know, flood of overwhelm most days. And sometimes that can interfere with getting my work done in, in mm-hmm. jobs that I've had and then in now running my own practice. Um, but over a number of years working with agile software developers, I, I learned a lot of their very cool techniques for managing their workload. So wow. I, I figured and have learned through, you know, I've had counselling, I've had coaching and training and done lots of learning myself, but I found if I could manage my emotions and manage my workload, then the only thing left to do was really um, be able to process or filter information better. And right. once I was able to do those three things using the technique of sense-making, which is another part of my interest, life became so much easier. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's you, you are, like, we've, we've met quite a few times um, yes. through, through thought leaders and things. And yes. You've always been my guru of organisation and just knowing how to just get shit done. And yeah. I, I remember seeing the, the cover of the book when it came out and I'm thinking, oh, she never seems overwhelmed. She's always got this, <laughs> this sus. And that, that's how it looks but not necessarily always how it is. Yeah, and I've got much better techniques for um, managing or coping or, as I call it, outsmarting. I think we've done a lot to try and ignore or soldier on or, or kind of suppress or push down uh, our feeling of overwhelm, and that's right. emotional, but we also have the overwhelm around work and the number of things we've got to do or we've got overwhelm with the number of things we've got to read. Uh, so my view was if I could 
outsmart those and mm-hmm. and do that in a way that you know that makes sense that I could share with other people then then life does become a lot easier overwhelm becomes less it stays for longer mm-hmm. and I I just found myself kind of bouncing back a lot quicker I, I would talk about an overwhelm hangover. You know, you have a really stressful day and then the next day you still feel crappy. Yeah. So how how do you minimise the effect of of that rising stress and, and what do you do with it? It's always lovely when you hear things from someone that you really respect that, that sound like what you're saying. And stress Teflon was the same, the idea that we could lean into stress and we could actually if we make it a good thing and we lean into it, then we can actually deal with it a lot better and it, when in reading this book, it's it's exactly what you're talking about with overwhelm as well. Yeah, yeah, that, and yeah. that just just the fact that we you know by leaning into it, all of a sudden it's it's like okay, well I'm I'm in this and this is what I'm doing, and I'm I'm not so overwhelmed anymore. Whereas if I'm yeah. trying to push it away, it it pushes back harder. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that martial arts metaphor, isn't it? About isn't go, it? and it's a facilitation technique as well, which is go with what's happening or go with is is the phrase go with what the group's presenting to you go with what your friend's talking about rather than trying to block it or stop it or deflect it or fight it or push it or contain it and just go what what would happen if if I let my overwhelm come out oh guess Mm -hmm. what I'm probably going to cry or I might snap or or I might have to and I had I had to do this recently, go and shout into a pillow because I was so annoyed about something. Does that help? I I must, I must let my anger out. Um, How will I do that? And I thought I'm, I live in an apartment, my husband and his neighbours, if they hear me <laughs> roaring in rage, you know. So I just got the pillow and went, wah, wah, did that a few times. and went, Just let the valve out. There it is. Pressure That's release. Good. Yeah, pressure release. Yeah, nice. You you commented before about working with software developers and stuff like that. And there's one thing that there's a heap of things I got out of this book that I love, but one yeah. of them was a thing called bike shedding. <laughs> I'd never heard of this before and it's an amazing concept. Can you tell us all about bike shedding? Yes, bike shedding is uh, imagine if in your local community they're building a new hospital, for example, and you know that there's a committee who's working on everything that that hospital needs, the administration, the operating theatres, the, you know, all of the car park, all of these things. And bike shedding is what happens when that committee or those people start spending too much time discussing, oh, the bike shed for staff members' bicycles. <laughs> and if they have, say, if they had a whole meeting about that or everything keeps coming back to, yes, but the bike shed's not in the right area, yeah. But instead, they've got all this other much more important stuff to do. So bike shedding is something I've I've seen and heard teams uh, call it out. And I love how people that are familiar with it will often just go, uh, people, mm, bike shedding, perhaps, per chance, bike shedding. Yeah. And then another and team might work as well. With, well, this is from it's another BS. team. They are into uh, the acronym of it. They don't mean bullshit but they mean this is bike shedding so it's just not important we're, it's not we're important yeah on a one to ten it's a two and we're giving it a, a ten amount of a yes seven or eight yes. amount of time yes and i think we do a lot of bike shedding with a lot of stuff because it makes us 
whatever it does, uh, talk about the payoffs that being busy or having having overwhelm might deliver for us. And bike shedding, working on all this stuff, uh, is something that that contributes to our overwhelm, but doesn't actually deliver a lot in the stakes of us feeling, you know, feeling like we're progressing. Yeah, I've, I have a word I made up called procrastination. Yeah, and, I love and it. And procrastination is basically bike shedding. I'm doing this thing that might appear like it's it's important and it might appear like I'm getting somewhere, but I'm actually not getting closer to the the main goal of building the hospital or mm. or whatever it is that I'm trying to do. Mm. And I think mm. I think bike shedding is a way cooler way to call it. I, <laughs> I, I love that expression. It's really good. Um, one of the other things, you, you had a bit of a, a ladder of overwhelm. Of when you know when you're swimming in it and when you've got it on, on can can you take us through that because the the way you the the words wandered through that were yes. just fantastic. So yes, take yeah, us through well, your ladder of overwhelm. I think there's a it's in two halves. So there's a, a the bottom half of the ladder is not so much fun, and mm-hmm. it's where people use the words like I'm drowning. You know when you say I'm mm-hmm. drowning in too much work. So I reckon that's down the bottom. We're we're deepest in it. If you think of uh, overwhelm, which of course means to be, you know, flooded or overcome with. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, drowning, we want to get up out of that that feeling of drowning and and start to get our head above water. But often we can find ourselves in a couple of places. One's juggling. So a lot of people go, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm juggling so much today. And Mm -hmm. it does feel like you've got about eight different balls on the go you know that you've Mm -hmm. got too much that that you're trying to juggle um but I also think there's there's a place there which is struggling so people will verbalize this when they've got a lot on Um, I've heard some people say it this morning already in coaching calls oh look I'm struggling with this bit what I'm struggling to understand is or I'm struggling to get this stuff finished so -hmm. they're not drowning and they're perhaps not dr- juggling, but they are struggling or wrestling. So by juggling, it feels like it's got it, it's kind of starting to get somewhere. It's in control yeah. anyway when you're juggling. Yeah, yeah. But Unless the, you juggle like me and they're terrible. And we'll, just well if you've got everywhere. too many, you know, if you've got too many balls in the air, which is one of the metaphors that I use. Uh, and then, but then the good stuff comes and you come up to the top half of the ladder. And that's where I think if we can understand what's going on, with overwhelm, that really gives us great power over it. Is that where you start emotion. kind of leaning in a little bit? That yeah, the way, the way you said that in the book, I really love just that leaning into. I'm overwhelmed. Okay, cool. What, yeah, acknowledge. What's telling which, me? What am I right. learning from? Yeah, it? so it's a bit more of that acceptance of it mm-hmm. that this is happening rather than fighting it. So understanding it. And then the next level, which is making some progress on stuff. You don't have to make progress on a lot of big things, but if you can see that you're making progress towards the tasks that you want to get done or the project you want to get done, that's getting you up. They're good places in the ladder, understanding and progressing. And then ultimately where we say I'm achieving, that's that top higher level of the ladder. So where you're actually getting stuff done. Yeah. Like I mentioned before that... I'm not saying I want people to sit up at achieving all the time because that can be overwhelming and exhausting too, like it could cascade Mm -hmm. you back down. So I reckon understanding and progressing is a really good place to be and so I I use the technique of sense-making, make sense of what's going on and what do I need to do about it. Mm, Because you are my guru of getting stuff done, so I'm I'm not... (laughs) 
we're, we're going to have Yay. to have a little bit of a chat about. But I'd never, I, there's lots of things in this book I'd never heard of, like a can, is it Kanban? Is that Kanban, that's right, a Kanban and board. And I've actually done up a Kanban board of myself and I've, I've worked out how often I end up just trying to juggle lots of balls and end up dropping them all. So can you, can you take us through what a Kanban is and, and why that helps so much and, and yeah. how we can all use that? strategy because it's it's awesome i started it doing is it, awesome i started doing it last week as end of last week as i started reading Fantastic. the book and it's been it's so good it's it's actually the thing about this and massive congratulations that everything in this book you can go okay i'm gonna put this into practice oh, now good. like oh, in so the juggling you. section you actually you have a section on how we learn how to literally juggle and i got out <laughs> juggling balls and did what That's you said that's fantastic. So it's it's amazing when you get a book like this that's so in, so informative, but also you can put it in a place straight away. And oh, good. so, yeah, tell, for everyone listening, tell us about a, a Kanban board and how that. Yeah, works. yeah. Well, it's a, a Japanese concept, and it was born uh, and probably popularized through the Toyota manufacturing process. So the Toyota, mm-hmm. the Toyota way. There's plenty of books and videos and YouTube and that about it but what they look at is what's the kind of easiest way for us to get things done and make progress Uh, and Kanban means a a small card and so that instead of having a big long to-do list we put each task that we've got to do on a card or I use post-it notes yeah and and there's apps available for this like Trello and Asana uh, Mm. and today they're all apps that follow this same principle and what you do is once you've got all of your uh your what might be your to-do list but they're written on individual cards Mm -hmm. you then have three columns um to do doing and done and I have all of my cards sitting over there in what I would call the backlog or what agile software developers call their backlog it's like all the stuff I could possibly do and I'm only going to pull across the things that I am, you know, ready to work on, which is to do, doing, this is the stuff I am working on now, and, oh, the excitement of when you can push it across into that third column. Done, done, done. You limit the amount in the doing column as well. Yes. Is is that just a you thing or is that? No. So how many many should you have in your doing column? Oh, well, uh, this can be a personal choice, but it sometimes shocks people to hear that I might only have three things on in the on in the doing column, which we call our work in progress or mm-hmm. work in process. Uh, if you've got six, eight, fifteen, twenty-two things, we've got too many balls in the air. We can't yeah. possibly, you know, capture them all or advance on all of them because we end up switching. So I like to focus on three, and if something urgent comes along that's going to need to be added to that list then I make a decision and I pull one back and say okay that's going back into the backlog for now Uh, and my Kanban board's just around the corner here on uh, on this bookshelf on the side so when I walk into my office there it is I've got a huge so the whole length of the bookcase is my backlog and then I've got three very small columns for to do doing and done there's some pretty good neuroscience to that too. There's yes. um, there's a lot of a lot of research now showing that 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 little dopamine hit from you get from putting something into the 
into the mm. done list actually decreases your stress hormones and actually calms the farm a little bit. So Oh yeah. It feels good. Um, I give myself the uh the Neil Perry clap, you know, the chef yeah, okay. Neil yep. Perry. When I've seen him working in a restaurant like at the Rock Pool here in Melbourne. And instead of shouting to the team, come on, cook faster, he just gives two claps and there's this real energy in that, a bit of celebration and a bit of isn't that good and let's keep it going. And so I'll often, yeah, nice. when I move it into that third column, give myself a couple of <laughs> Have claps. Have a big smile and punch the air. Yes. high five yourself. It's, re- <laughs> yes, it's, re- it's amazing though that when we're not sort of designed to take notice of that stuff. We're not designed, we're designed yeah. to make sure things aren't going to eat us and that the bad things aren't going to happen. True. We're not designed True. to take notice. Um, BJ Fogg talks about that in Tiny Habits. He calls it sunshine. That when, you, when you've finished oh. the habit, you've got to blow a bit of sunshine. And, and I really like that as well. It was good. Um, yeah, one of the- there's a lot, of, a lot of leaders need to do that because we can often lurch from, from one project to the next to the next and we don't stop even for... 10 minutes to just, uh, as you say, do the, the sunshine thing, bathe, bathe in the glory of finishing something. Yeah. 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 I, I wrote two pages Woo-hoo. and, yeah, and in it goes. But, but that really does help with your overwhelm though, doesn't it? Mm. To feel as yeah. if you're, you know, you're eating an elephant, you know, one take note of the time. fact I've had one bite. Yeah. yeah. Which, which yeah. is really, really cool. Um, one of the things I've always loved about you is, is how beautifully you do all of your artwork and and the way you you illustrate things and you talked a little bit about overwhelm and the effect that actually physically writing things down can can you take us through that why does writing things down why is that so much Mm. more significant than typing it or or saying it yes so typing what we're thinking like in a journal or typing notes in a meeting may feel efficient uh, but some of the research around the benefits of journaling, for example, is it's this, the fact that it's this physical activity that we're doing mm-hmm. and we have to organise our thoughts uh, as we're writing them down. And so this is the connection with sense-making, which is the the ability for us to make uh, deeper meaning of what's going on. We do it every day when we're problem-solving, but I think if we can apply it to managing overwhelm, will make progress. So it's sort of taking a combination of writing things down, which is better for mm-hmm. the brain, better for... Better for your memory ourselves. too, isn't it, to, if you write Better for down. memory. And it also helps you consolidate information, see connections that you weren't able to make up here and externalising the information. So we're getting it out of the crazy loop mm. of things bouncing around here and by externalising the information that immediately starts to calm us down and we go oh that's all it is even if it's a lot of stuff it can often still look less than the feeling of it bouncing around do you think it's the fact that we can only write at what 120 words a minute or whatever we can write at but we can think at like 600 I don't know the exact numbers totally and a lot of people can type pretty fast too that's not to say that journaling isn't isn't a good thing um, but yeah, it's this uh, cathartic. It's the um, the actual physical experience of us thinking and working yeah. through this information um, that brings our sense making abilities uh, to the fore instead of perhaps playing transcriber or court reporter, where we just quickly type things in. 
plus get you you know gets you away from your device for a while which mm. we know we know we know from the research contributes to increased overwhelm what would your advice on that be for for people and that that whole tech addiction that you know almost yeah. all of us have it to one degree yeah. or another what what are some of the things that you would do to or you do yourself to to sort of decrease some of that and and in turn decrease your overwhelm yeah one of the key things i do is just keep it out of sight occasionally throughout mm-hmm. the day so at the moment my phone is at just out here in on the dining room table but i can't see it so if a notification <laughs> is on it then i'm not yeah. seeing it uh, and the research around that was scary that uh, if if and when we multitask and go looking at our device, uh, our IQ starts to drop. Yes. Yes. The, the numbers were ridiculous. It was like 10 points or something, your yes. IQ drops. Yes. I call it dumb and dumber. And, it's, and it doesn't matter if you turn the phone over. It's the fact that your brain is still thinking there is this other thing here that mm-hmm. might be, you know, might be communicating with me. So putting it in another room just for a while doesn't have to be for hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm addicted to. So is is I don't want to say weaning yourself off it, but just having some time apart. Just having some time yeah. apart from my device. <laughs> I, I love. I I call that a noise cancelling habit. So something yeah. I can do once cool. and get rid of a lot of noise and. Yeah. Um, I actually have a thing where I come into my office where I'm sitting now and I plug my phone in there and I don't take it into the house. Ah, like and it. And so there's, there's cool. something about and I leave the ringer on so if someone wants me, they know to actually ring and I'll I'll come out, I'll hear it and come out and do it. But yes. there's something, I guess that's a really cool way to sort of stop that overwhelm of things coming at you all the time, isn't it? Even turning yeah. your notifications off is Absolutely, I turn heaps of things a, off. That's right. The smartest one sign, as well. You know, sign out of apps instead of uh, and sign out of web pages and different browsers and things instead of having them all open is close them down. Mm-hmm. Or as some people have suggested, have your work and your private stuff on a different set of tabs. So you might have your work life stuff happening uh, on one browser and yeah. all of your interests and hobbies and things happening on another so the two don't right the two don't okay. start to merge so know, do one on safari at, and one on chrome or something yeah or it just open two separate windows and, and right. go for your life um yeah cool uh, can work really well some of the research around that was cool because the research about the multitasking side of stuff you it was phenomenal just how much mm. it knocked down people's productivity and how much they got done so mm. Do things like your Kanban board and stuff like that, do you find that that does stop people multitasking? What, what's yes. your sort of top couple of tips to get people to stop multitasking and, and decrease their overwhelm? <laughs> well, the first is just admit that you do it. Like it, Even though yeah. we think we're not, we do. Mm-hmm. If you're in a meeting and it's a bit boring and you look at your device, boom, there you've done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're uh, talking to someone and you check you know, check something else. So just accept, yes, we do it. And if you would like to be smarter or get a bit more productivity out of yourself, then just notice when you do it. So instead of expecting people to adopt these incredible habits overnight, if you can accept that you do it and just notice when you are doing it, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's a good step. And then the next step is how we can set up something that in like a time box and say, you know what, I'm going to focus on this task for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
and watch yourself want to be drawn into the other the other task or the other notification or someone interrupts you. So we kind of need to begin to train ourselves to be more focused. Oh, look, a kitten. Yeah. That- <laughs> hey, hey, something shiny. Puppies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it, raining. It, look at that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, my wife actually describes me as being part squirrel, part tigger. So I'm always sort of got shiny thing syndrome and looking and stuff yes. like that. So, yeah. And, 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 that's- and we're wired for that. That's okay. You know, mm. we, we love the new and we love to explore and, and love to be curious. That's we're not we're not saying don't do it, but yeah. know that you might need to put some things in place to reduce the amount of times that you switch and multitask because it's making us uh way, way less uh less functional. Yeah, okay. And do you do when you in the work that you do, because you do a lot of facilitation work with big companies, don't you? And in the work you do with that, do you teach them a lot of these? How does that work look? What, what sort of things yeah. do, you, do you show yeah. them? Yeah, so a lot of the work I'm doing, I'm put under the heading of better ways of thinking and working. So uh, okay. companies that are that are looking to adopt new ways of working, or they might call them future ways of working or agile ways of working, and they're trying to redesign the way that they work. So a lot of these principles apply is that we need to get our own emotional shit together and mm-hmm. and then we need to be able to manage our own workload. So a lot of the techniques I work with people are uh, helping them work individually and helping them work as a team. It's and then that, when you... the third part of the book on uh, information overload, that's another mm-hmm. skill called cognitive load coping. So I help yeah, businesses okay. and, and people do that. Yeah, go on. Back up to the to the emotional stuff because you you touched in the book a little bit on Susan David from Harvard's work and mm. that that idea of being having emotional agility. Um, I I read that book recently and it's it's an amazing book if anyone wants to read mm. it called Emotional Agility. What what were some of your things that you you got out of that that you that you'd like to share? The technique of relay what I call relabeling the overwhelm so if you hear or see someone or you feel like going oh I'm so overwhelmed that's Mm -hmm. that I'm just going to give it this blanket label of I'm so overwhelmed then I list out some of the emotions from uh, Dr Susan David and it helps to go through these columns and say well what am I actually am I really overwhelmed Am I angry or am I just disappointed? Yeah which which one am I I feeling? Am I frustrated and I'm agitated and then by seeing those, you go, oh, well, that's quite natural because this is happening and that's happening and I'm trying to do that. Yeah. And whoosh, down, down comes that, you know, that feeling of drowning in it. Down comes the, the level of that. And we, we are beginning to understand the emotions. And now we can make some better decisions about our work and what we're doing and, and how we're going to work. Yeah, nice. And do you, do you feel as if the overwhelm thing is, is getting worse? Do you feel... What? Yeah, I, I don't just feel it. I was looking at some other research yesterday that people uh, just in the last two years, and this is even pre-COVID but as well as the COVID yeah. pandemic, that people are, are um, more and more people, I think it was some UK research from the Mental Health Foundation, about 75% of people said they were feeling more overwhelmed and it felt overwhelmed in the last, you know, two to three months um, so, yeah, our jobs are changing. We're having to do more. We're having to adapt kind of quicker to situations like, quick, everybody work from home, quick, homeschool yeah. your kids. 
quick, cook every freaking night of the week. Um, the restaurants are closed. I just <laughs> things, need to, to state like Lynn's that. in Melbourne, so she's actually in lockdown at the moment. Whereas, at the moment, um, yeah. Yeah. And luckily she's a guru on all things overwhelmed, so she's actually handling it okay. <laughs> Hey, I I have to read my own book. Let me tell you that. Don't think I'm sitting here going, oh, everything's completely like sweet. I have to get the book out myself and go now. Oh, right. I haven't well, as, done that. As, as we said before, that we we talked a little bit about how this is the like one of the most actionable books I've ever read. I've actually even made a playlist because you mentioned <gasps> some songs in the book. Um. <laughs> I'm a bit of a music head, so I've quite often got music going on. Right. And I discovered years ago that if I'm doing stuff that takes a fair bit of concentration, I don't want to listen to any new music. I only want to listen to old music that I'm really familiar with so I I don't get distracted by it. But you've taken that another level again in some of this. um, There was a a song called Weightless that I've been listening to lately. Tell us about the the theory behind that and and how you came across that. (laughs) Yes, a music therapist created this song uh, called Weightless by the group Marconi Union and it was deemed to be the most relaxing piece of music ever. Uh, You can get go have a look at it on YouTube. goes for a few minutes and there's like an eight-hour version if you need it to go to sleep. But it's got this, you'll hear this kind of heartbeat Mm. rhythm in it that, that of course and it's a slow heartbeat too it's sort of that sort of low 50s just yeah yeah, we're matching and mirroring creatures so it starts to I guess we start to match and mirror that that pace of the heartbeat and the sounds are beautiful ambient extended kind of white noise which again is very calming and very good for creativity very good for relaxation so Mm. Once you've got the emotional stuff worked out and you're dealing with your workload, then you can look at some other things that that take it further and help you deliberately help reduce elements of your um, overwhelm, like reduces blood pressure and and heart rate. Yeah, because I actually found since I've been, and I've had this song on repeat for the last couple of days. I only read about it like (laughs) a couple of days ago. I love it. Yeah. But I'm actually finding, because it's got no lyrics to it as well, so there's mm-hmm. no singing. I'm one of these people that sings along a lot, very yes, badly, yes. but sings a lot. <laughs> but there was something about um, the the two songs you had, Weightless, and there was another one. Um, that you heavy Air. Yeah, Heavy yeah, Air. That's one and of I, my I had, I've had those songs. two on repeat for a little bit. Right. <laughs> and you... Because you can put your noise-cancelling headphones on and have that on, you're not getting distracted from anywhere mm-hmm. else. And I, I was amazed at how much better my productivity was. Yes. Just from, oh. just from that, okay, I'm taking sound out of the equation of something that's distracting me and he's actually helping me and connecting and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And in just that that one little thing I've found has just mm. made a massive difference. It's, I'm two that's days a, in, so I'm awesome. probably not a not an expert at it yet, but it, it really had, yeah, it made a big difference. So um, good to hear. The other one that that I really got the thing, you your theory is that this adds to overwhelm a lot, is the voice that you have going on in your head, your inner mm. critic. Um, tell us a little bit about that, one about why that's, so bad but also how do we tame that and how do we get that to talk to us in a way that's nice (laughs) wow if I could answer that I would be (laughs) 
uh, making millions of dollars and solving the problems of the world. Yeah. Uh, it's it's there, you know, it's I called it our inner commentator and I liken it to sports commentary, which can be loaded with judgment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will listen to my inner commentator when they're providing useful information. Mm-hmm. So the I think Chris Helder's work on useful belief is is useful yes. here, is to see whether or not what is this inner critic saying? What is this voice? Oh, it's actually me. You know, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not something that's been implanted in me. It's me giving this ongoing commentary, and I think we have commentary because it propels the drama along. We have it in theatre, and we have it in TV series. We have a a narrator who keeps the story yeah. going, and I think this is perhaps and- what our inner critic's doing is just keeping the drama going. Yeah, I guess that, that comes back to that. You, you mentioned Chris Helder before and that book, I, I think I bought about 30 copies of that book and have given it to so many people. It's this tiny yeah. little book called Useful it Beliefs. Is. Yeah. And um, it's, one of the things he talks about with that is is that just asking, well, is is the stuff this internal narrator is saying to me, is it true? Is it real? And mm. Is it helpful? Is it a useful mm. belief? Mm. And that made a big difference. One of your friends gave the inner commentator a name. They called her Arlo. Yes, that was uh, Daniela Krishik from her book, um, Your Inner Critic is a Big Jerk. Uh, Your Inner Critic is, is a Big Jerk, isn't that's it? That's the name of her book. That's the name <laughs> of the book. And so she was trying to say uh, just not humanise it but just make it make it a little bit separate so that it wasn't so oppressive, that it wasn't so close to us yeah. and, and give it a little bit of a distance. Uh, distance I love that. So Call it Arlo. I, yeah, Arlo. I I have an alter ego called Carlos, who's like the best version of me. And Carlos is <laughs> ah. wonderful. But Carlos, every every superhero also has a nemesis. Yeah, and Carlos's okay. nemesis is a guy called Daryl. And um, <laughs> I, I had a a, a a guy who I worked with in one of the one of the in Specsavers where I worked for years, and his name was Daryl. He was a fantastic bloke. He's a really talented dude, but he had a way of negotiating that was along the lines of you tell me what you want and I'll tell you how you can live without it. Ooh, right? I remember okay. him saying that to me once. This is how we negotiate. <laughs> you tell me what you want, I'll tell you how you can live without it. Oh. And when I was reading that part in your book, it really made me think of, you know, that of giving that that person a name, that person that makes you stay small and gets overwhelmed, give that person a name. And it, mm. it, de- it definitely decreases some of that overwhelm when you can yes. talk to it as a person. Yeah. I don't mine doesn't have a name, but I can hear it and it's it's over here somewhere. And it would and I'll I'll usually say thanks very much. Thanks for the warning. Uh, thanks for the heads up. Yep, I'll look out for that. Uh yep. I, I know I know you're trying to keep me safe. Uh I know you help you're trying to keep, you know, so that I don't look stupid. Thanks very much. I'll take it from here. And yeah, could almost and be a little in. <laughs> becomes <That's>, bigger. Yeah, <laughs> the little in grows teeth. Take a sit down. And there's but, some great, um, great theory around this: the psychology or the sociology of selves. I haven't gone into that in the book, but it's uh, one of the metaphors I heard of it was uh, from Glenn Close at the Group Work Centre, and they say, imagine you're driving a bus and there's a bunch of seats behind you, and it's pretty much telling that voice to go and sit down, please. You know, take a seat, put yeah. your seatbelt on. I'm driving today. No, I don't need you up the front of the bus. Take a seat. Thank you. Whoever's coming up, you know, the nervous, the agitated, the overwhelmed, the critic, whoever's coming yeah. up to 
try and steer things. I just tell them to take a seat. <laughs> yeah, another mutual friend of ours, Amy Silver, has a great thing. Yes. It's, there's like a party going on in your head. Yeah. And, yeah. and her, her idea of her book was called The Loudest Guest and The Loudest Guest was Fear. Yeah, yeah. And and in, in part of yours, you, we talked a lot about how fear is is one of those things that drives overwhelm. And um. Yeah, it's certainly not my area of expertise, but I think it's connected with the uncertainty that if we don't, if we're trying to work on something, we don't know what the end result is. We can often fear those consequences or run, you know, run the scenarios or catastrophize mm. what's going to happen. Um, I love Dr. Amy's book. Uh, it's a brilliant book, and uh, it is a great she, read, isn't it? She read uh, Arg last week and has written a beautiful. Um, a testimonial or, or review, just saying this could be a good book to keep close at hand. I think I'll keep Arg right next to the loudest guest because I reckon yeah, they are they are magic. Yeah. Well, it was the, it was the number one book on on Amazon for stress management. Arg was, and yes. it was yes. it was sitting right next door to Thick Like a Monk, which I was actually yes. reading at the time when I <laughs> when I realised that your book was out. Cool. So it was um. I've actually read both of those two and they were, and they were fantastic. And good, you, you must good. be so proud of it. It's a great book. I just wanted to touch on one more mm. little thing before I let yeah, you go because I, sure. I know you're very busy. Um, the concept of competitive complaining. Mm. That okay. one and, yeah. and sort of people that almost use martyrdom as a way of sort of mm. – of sort of keeping themselves in overwhelm. So those people that, you know, I'm so, you know, look how hard and how busy I'm working. Yeah, and all no, that you're not, stuff. Luke. No, I'm I'm busier than you are. I've got way <laughs> more on than you have. You probably do too. But <laughs> how how do we help people who are who are sort of stuck in that little vortex of oh look how mm. hard my life is and I'm being a martyr with things because mm. I've, I've I've seen this with people who I've worked yeah. with and it's I haven't got a great answer for helping with it. And I wonder if you can mm. shed some light on what, how we can deal with that better. Yeah, I'd reference the Cartman drama triangle of, of how in conflict situations we'll often go into one of the three roles of a persecutor, uh, a rescuer or a victim. And, right. and so I just explore each of those briefly, just a few points to say are you, you know, perhaps putting overwhelm on others or are you mm. trying to fix other people? Oh, let me take that. I'll help you with that, you know, which is adding to your overwhelm. Or are you sitting there going, I'm the victim, I'm overwhelmed? So there's uh, there's another model that you can apply to that, which is to be more of a coach or a creator or a challenger. Yeah, um, nice. So that means swing swing from victim. Let's, let's make something. Let's do something. Let's create the Kanban board. Um, let's say so if you swung into coach mode with someone who was experiencing that and say, okay, well, mm-hmm. let's let's externalise all our to-dos and let's get them so that they're visible. Now let's decide which one do you want to do first. So take them from that victim position into something that's more more powerful. Yeah, and that that's exactly what this book does. It takes you that, that sort of, ah, I'm up to here, I'm overwhelmed, and it lets you know why that's happening but also gives you some great really practical tips for for doing so um where can we find arg arg you can find it in ebook uh on special at the moment on amazon and uh it'll be coming out in paperback in a matter of days so uh whenever you're 
uh, podcast comes out. Yeah, it'll, uh, have it'll, a look where you where you normally buy your books. Uh, you I'll, I'll, I'll include it. a link in the, in the show notes because yeah. this um, I think I smashed this book in about in about two or three days, and yeah. and yeah. it's just it's one of those your thing that you said before about one of those books that you can hold next to you to yeah. be able to just go back to again and again. And I think you could almost open it up wherever you like, and there'll yeah. be a nugget of joy that's going <laughs> to help great. help you in an overwhelm overwhelmed world so that's link azalea it's been so much Thank fun you. having having on the reset podcast and um everyone get out there and get arg because we all don't <laughs> have enough brain for the amount of overload we've got <laughs> thank you luke you're a champion so good it's to, been uh, super to talk fun with you. thank you very much thank you thanks for reading it